it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, 
explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Shri and Peter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CPG Guys podcast. I'm PVSB, one of the aforementioned CPG Guys. I'm also the Vice President of Partner Strategy and Development at Fetch Rewards, a mobile loyalty platform. As always, I'm joined on this educational journey about how brands and retailers engage consumers by my good friend, and he is so desperate to become a Los Angeles Dodgers fan that he's moving to Los Angeles. What's going on there? In any event... Uh, his motto is always to be curious, which makes him, in my estimation, the ideal podcast partner on this journey. Please join me in welcoming the other CPG guy, Shri. Shri, how you doing today? Shri's doing awesome. He's actually moving to Los Angeles and California to be closer to celebrities and paparazzi. No, and I think it's you. Somebody's got to use those free Dodgers tickets they're giving away because they can't fill the stadium. We're going to the playoffs. How about you? You're just going to play golf in Florida as of the end of the season, as far as 65 I 65 games left for the season, and you're already going to the playoffs? Was that uh, mathematical court- elimination of others? Because it doesn't look like that. Would you go to four games in the wild card. Up four games in the wild card. Anyhow, the fact, that, that, the fact that you have to gloat about wild card leadership, I'm sorry, Peter. Well, it's, it's, it's What do you got? Four games event. behind on wild card. We'll play catch up. 65 uh, okay. games to go. All right. It's playing wild card games. Before we get to our guest, Shri, I want to remind our audience that all of our content, we've got, we've produced over a hundred episodes. They're available on 40 plus podcasting platforms, right? We've got links to our LinkedIn page, Instagram, Twitter. We got to put TikTok on or TikTok on there, Shri. Uh, and, and a link to the podcast we listen to when we don't listen to ourselves talk. You can go there. Just go visit cpgguys.com. It's all free. We don't charge. There's no paywall, nothing like that. Uh, and the best way to stay in contact with all the content we're amplifying and producing, go to LinkedIn, put CPG Guys. It's on Shri shirt in the video and mine here, right? Put CPG Guys in the search term. And when you get to our page, just click follow. Pretty straightforward. It's all free. It's all free. So the mass acceleration of e-commerce brought on by the pandemic has given CPG manufacturers in particular a need to build out their support and enablement capabilities of this channel. Building high-performance organizations to thrive in e-commerce is really no small feat, right? Many CPG brands were caught pretty flat-footed by this transition from physical to digital shopping. They're now taking a hard look at where e-commerce should sit in the organization and trying to rapidly educate their workforce on the nuances of this sector. Now, you may remember in episode 47 of the CPG Guys podcast, we spoke with our good friend Mike Black, the chief marketing officer of a company called Profitero. They're an e-commerce performance analytics platform of choice for many of the world's leading brands. Through interviews with e-commerce experts at leading CPG brands, Profitero has identified a predictable common path that most organizations can traverse to become fully e-commerce ready. Wow, that sounds like a, a great course tree. That, that sounds awesome. So here to speak about the research that Profitero has created. They've entitled it Building a High-Performance CPG E-Commerce Organization. That's a mouthful, but it, it's descriptive. 
Uh, and the six stages for embracing this journey is the director of client strategy. Please join Shri and me in welcoming the podcast, Christina Vale. Christina, hello. How you doing today? Hi, Peter. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, great. We are excited to have you here. This is one of the things that Shri and I have noodled about on the podcast for quite some time and bringing a coherent process to it. We're all about it. We're all ears. So before we get to the questions, a couple things. Can you tell our audience that loves to do a little searching and learning while they're listening where they can find Profitero online? And then you, you give us a brief overview exactly what Profitero does and what your role is in the organization. Certainly. So Profitero.com, nice and easy. You can find it there. And like you mentioned earlier, Peter, we're an e-commerce analytics company. So Mike Black's episode was a perfect overview of exactly what we do. So definitely, if you're interested in e-commerce analytics, I do recommend going back to episode 47. Um, but we help some of the largest brands in the world better understand their e-commerce performance. So um, pulling together data like assortment and availability, ratings and reviews, search placement, things like that, um, and making it a comprehensive dashboard and data feed that helps brands understand their performance. And what I do... Um, I do not work on the software side, so I work with our clients from a strategy consulting standpoint. Uh, this report, and I know we'll get into it, came from a need. We were hearing from clients that they didn't know how to structure their teams, and that is one of many questions that we often hear from our clients that, frankly, have nothing to do with the software we provide them. So being close partners with many CPG brands, we identified you know, we could do more to help our clients. And so me and my team, that's what we do is when there's needs above and beyond just the e-commerce data, how can we really help teams with their strategies? I tend to plug in there and quick background. I, uh, I worked in a, an e-commerce CPG team. I was at PepsiCo for a number of years, and then I was in strategy consulting for a couple of years. So the work we're doing at Profitero is very much a combination of those experiences. Shri, have you ever heard of PepsiCo? That's a that's kind of familiar <laughs> to us, isn't it? We I'm drinking Aquafina. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. Shri and I spent some time together uh, uh, at PepsiCo, so we're, we're quite familiar with That's great. Christina, we'll include in the digital liner notes of this episode links to Profitero's website, placement on LinkedIn, and your profile so that people can learn more about you. You've kind of launched into my first question, so let's get right to the questions. Um, what really was the impetus for Profitero creating this research? What were you witnessing or hearing in your conversations with clients trying to align against the demand of the evolving omnichannel world? Yeah, so like I mentioned, it, it came from a need where we were just having, like we do many conversations with our clients, and this question was coming up even more frequently than normal. So I'd say pre-pandemic, right? It was very normal to discuss, you know, team structure, team design, do I have it right? Kind of tweak, tweaking it here and there. But six months into the pandemic, it was urgent. And we were hearing from virtually all clients saying, well, what we're doing now doesn't feel great. So, uh, you know, what are, what are other people doing? What do you think is, you know, high-performing team structured? And so instead of kind of off the cuff, giving an answer, we wanted to take a data-driven and analytical approach to ensure that we weren't just using a small N or using our own experiences, but actually validating it. 
So we went out, spoke to a number of executives, mostly in CPG. We also went outside of CPG to industries that are a little bit more advanced in e-commerce to say, what can we learn from things like apparel or toys that may have um, moved past the tipping point? Um, and, and how did they get there? What made them successful? And so we infused that into the, the research. So really, it was the question was being asked, and we wanted to make sure we had the right answer. Understood. Um, in this report, you identify in great detail something you call the e-commerce maturity curve. Can you tell us how this curve was actually built and how can a CPG company or a brand leverage this curve to navigate kind of how to reach that right structure so they can be successful and continue to grow? Definitely. So I think a lot of the people that we work with that are leading teams, that are leading e-commerce, they know what they want the end to look like. It's a lot of type A personalities. They know e-commerce needs to be integrated. It needs to be part of our business. That is the end goal. But if you rush it and if you try and go straight to the end and your team doesn't have certain things that are true, it is less likely to succeed. So what we wanted to do is say, it's not just about answering the question, this is how your team should be structured. There really isn't a one size fits all. It needs to be based on what are your current capabilities? How mature are you? What are the different phases that your key enabling functions are in? And then focus on the job to be done. So there's a corresponding structure that can enable that job to get done. But, but what are you doing at each stage to ultimately drive a sustainable end goal, which is e-commerce is fully integrated? And so we wanted to be able to walk teams through that to say, you know, I know you might want to get there in six months, but... What if you took a step back, did it in 18 and focused on key things as you went throughout so that it's extra sticky and you're more likely to be successful? Christina, when you talk about not just jumping to the end, you brought me back to ninth grade algebra where my my professor, Mr. Eddie, I would write the answer and he would not give me full credit because I didn't show the work. So that tells me you got to do the work if you want to get to the end. You, you want to bring the organization with you. Right. And that takes that takes work, whether you're at a midsize CPG or you're at a large enterprise. It's important. This work doesn't get done in a silo. And so you may and we'll, we'll talk about it. I'm sure you may break your team off into a silo intentionally to really accelerate things. But ultimately, you're not getting a product to market without supply chain, without finance, without all your enabling functions. And so taking a measured approach and educating them and helping them to understand the bigger picture can be really powerful and, and really enhance the odds that you're successful. Having a plan uh, does not guarantee success in organizational transformation alone. Your study prominently recommends that leaders actually evangelize about the process. In fact, it is the first of six stages you identify for success. It begins with self-assessment. So what is involved in the assessment stage and how do you ensure that leadership is thoughtful about their commitment to the necessary change? Definitely. Yeah. So before you, you know, say you pick up the report and we'll, we'll link to the report too. It's on our website. But before you dive into each stage, there's just a simple maturity curve that basically outlines six key things that you're doing. So maturity, you can think of as low, medium, high, right? We don't need to overcomplicate that. But the jobs to be done, we break out into six key jobs. And before you determine, okay, what should I be focused on? You really want to think about a, a few core elements. So number one, what's the level of excitement in your organization? Now, I think looking at that report right now in the middle of 2021, you might say, well, everyone's excited about e-commerce. How could you not be? But I'll tell you, 
directly, there are still brands that are not excited about e-commerce and they want that to go away. They don't want to think about it, right? So that's important to know, right? How, how, how significant is that excitement? You want to know, secondly, um, your company's general maturity when it comes to e-commerce. Any leader has a gut feel for this, right? Are we, are we ahead of the curve? Are we behind the curve? And actually, Profitera will be updating our benchmark survey soon. So you can actually validate that via data. But you want to know, you know, generally, where are we? Are we ahead or are we behind? And the third is looking at the offline world and getting a sense for how well do they understand e-commerce? So again, if we go back to is the goal is it's fully integrated. So that means everyone needs to have some sort of baseline understanding of how e-commerce operates and, and assess kind of how low, how high is that? Do, do, do the subject matter experts in e-commerce, they understand offline and do the offline team, do they understand e-commerce? So based on that, you'll kind of land in a key job to be done, key area of maturity. That first one, Peter, to your point, evangelize. Um, it's important. I think there's a reason there's kind of an archetype for different uh, e-commerce CPG leaders at different stages. And I think we can all picture the people that are really successful at this, right? They can get out, they can present to the leadership teams, they can present to the board, they can rally the teams and really get people excited. So that's the scale you're moving in this first stage where you're, you're the voice of the team and you're just trying to get people on your side, right? You're pumped up about it and you want to make sure that they get pumped up about it as well. Christina, the next stage you identify is education. Obviously, without education, a lock can't move because you got to take a whole org with you, and the best way is education. What does this journey of education involve, and how do you bring along the rest of the organization in this transformational digital journey, and how do you address the what I would call, earlier you said, companies that just don't want to do this. They just don't want to be in e-com, right? So we call that inevitable skepticism. So how do you address that inevitable skepticism? Because the consumer today, they are digital whether people want to accept it or not. Yeah, I, I think where my brain goes is people respond to incentives. So I was a economics major in undergrad, right? That's where my brain always goes. So what's key is you can't just have boilerplate educational content for your teams. You want to think about who are you talking to and what do they care about? So when you're talking to a C-suite, they care about the total P&L and if it's a public company, the numbers that they're reporting to the street. Okay, so then let's talk about where consumers are actually shopping, where growth is coming from and what the trajectory of the channel looks like. That's going to be very motivating. And then they care about how the comp competition is doing. So showing them share data, what your competitors are doing, that's going to be very motivating. Now, if you, you know, the next week you're trying to educate your supply chain team because you can't get the right products to market in the pure play channel and you're just running into red tape after red tape after red tape, showing them, you know, the total numbers you have to report to the street, maybe some will be motivated by that. Right? But they're going to be more motivated if they think about their own world and why it's going to be better for the supply chain network if they are enabling e-commerce the right way. And they want to understand why they're doing what they're doing. As I led teams in different places, one of the key things I always come back to is people want to know why you're asking them to do what you're asking them to do. You want to kind of paint the, paint the picture for them. So for supply chains, hey, look, look at this amazing plan we're trying to execute with Amazon. These are all the components and you are critical, right? If, if we can't accelerate what's happening with supply chain, right? This is all hypothetical, of course, right? But we're not going to be able to get to market. Wonderful. That's, that's really 
motivating. That makes me understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm not just creating these PSYOP packs because you hate me and you want my life to be miserable, right? I, I'm putting it into context. So that, that's really powerful. And then I'll just say in the, in the back of the report, there's some very specific guidance on educating the C-suite, I think, especially, you know, I imagine the primary audience for this report, it's an e-commerce leader. And so whether you're talking to an executive team, a C-suite, or just your manager, it's important to kind of present things the right way. And we got some interesting tidbits from folks that we interviewed. So I, I do recommend people refer to that. You know, you mentioned supply chain SIOC. So, so SIOC, Christina, what does it stand for? Ships in own container. And so if you're... Oh, go ahead. Very Amazon term, correct? Very Amazon term, yes. And so if you're in an organization and you're, say, you sell mostly in the frozen section and Amazon is not a, a key component of your e-commerce channel, then not as critical, right? And the way you think about supply chain and working with in-store teams and in-store pickup, it's going to be different. But I'm, again, I'm putting my, my Pepsi hat on. In my Pepsi days, we spent a lot of time thinking about how do we stand up that pure play channel when it was really small? And then your focus with supply chain, you know, this was a few years ago for us, maybe for your organization, you're currently working through it. It's all about how can I find the right packs for that pure play channel and develop them in a way that actually has a chance of being a creative and is not just shipping packs that are meant for the grocery channel where everyone's going to lose money. Christina, the one other thing with supply chain, since you mentioned it in the in the article, is you know when I think of the maturity of this space, I think of marketing on the digital side like well on its way, like highly mature. Then I think of uh, content. Content is in conversation everywhere in the industry, and you know earlier today we were even having a discussion on content with a content experience hub company. And um, I feel the area that still has a lot of opportunity and is vastly untapped is supply chain. And and I'm glad it made its way to the report. Hopefully when people read it, that will be the next chapter the industry writes. Peter? To quote a very famous Mel Brooks film, one of my favorites, Baseballs, May the Schwartz be with you, right? That's not the quote. But the next stage in your evolution of success is all about merchandising. So people need to start getting their hands dirty in the whole business of e-commerce. What happens in this merchandise stage? So, uh, mer again, going back to kind of uh, like back to the behavioral economics point I made earlier, people respond to incentives. Think about the people in these organizations. In my experience, I think about sales teams and large CPGs, they're a little bit competitive. And part of what you're trying to dig into or tap into rather with merchandising is, is cultivating that and highlighting, one, teams that are willing to move beyond education and actually get their hands dirty and actually start to try some things in e-commerce. So what could that look like? That could look like back in my uh, Shree, back in your Frito days, that could look like you going to the Doritos team and saying, hey, please, you should really invest $20,000 in this Amazon thing. We don't know if it's going to work, but we have to try, right? And then going out, they try it, they try something new, and then you create a, a five-page deck that says, look what Doritos did, look what we learned, look how innovative they are. And then, you know, maybe that gets shared with some leadership at Frito-Lay and the other brand teams see it. And that can create some some good fodder and incentives to say, you know what, if they're trying it, we can do that too. You know, and so 
again, this is hypothetical. I actually didn't know Shree when he was at Frito-Lay. Maybe he did this, maybe he did not. But the, the tool is powerful. So I think, again, it does it accomplishes two things for you. It highlights people who are willing to take risks and jump in. We want to celebrate those people. We want to make sure the people who are testing and learning Put their names, name in lights, right? Make sure people know this is the right way to approach the channel. And number two, tap into some of that positive competition that, that can be um, prevalent in these organizations to motivate other teams to jump in as well. Not to mention all the learning that comes from, from these tests, right? You want to make sure that, that that's the end goal. These are the reasons why you're motivating teams. Yeah, so I like the Mel Brooks quote from Spaceballs. What was it? Moichandizing, Peter? Uh, but uh, Merchandising. So obviously, getting into the space, just like every other space, Christina, is all about growth components, right? At some point, it should be clear that e-commerce is supposed to become a long-term source of demand, you know, which may ultimately that means growth, consistently accounting for some mid-size digit percent of annual sales, hopefully more. As demand has begun to outstrip the capabilities of a smaller embedded team, what must the organization do immediately as the tail of COVID arrives? One thing that's been a real through line, both in the conversations I had for the report and since, so we, we published this report a few months ago, and so there's been a number of kind of conversations that have come from it, and it's been validating in that a key principle if you're a leader in e-commerce that you should follow, if there is a capability that is not meeting the demand of the organization, of the channel, Breaking it out separately can be very powerful to move it forward as quickly as possible. Meaning, if there are key needs in a specific function, so say your sales team, the sale, it's just not where it needs to be. You need to be giving certain customers more attention. You need to be enabling the customer teams in a specific way so that they understand e-commerce. It can be powerful to break, we call it a sidecar in the organization, in the, in the report. Having a sidecar that is dedicated to just e-commerce and he's focused on you know specific set of functions that need to be enabled. They can move really fast if you break them out into a separate organization. Let them run for a period of time and then have a plan to reintegrate them back in. So again, key principle, we are not saying in the report everyone should have a, a e-com team that's separate. That's not true. You might be mature enough that you don't need that. But if you are in a phase where you look and you say, I need to really enhance my capabilities, it's just much harder to do it in the large matrix organizations that I'm sure many of your listeners operate within. It can be tricky to move things quickly. So that's the, the key um, the key bar I would use to know when, when to break off and when to not. When e-commerce starts hitting double-digit share of revenue, all of a sudden senior leadership very often gets fully supportive and is actively funneling things like new product innovation into this channel. Ooh, we got to support this. It's getting big. So how does this empowerment stage play into success? It is funny how that happens, huh, Peter? Yeah. All of a sudden, the sales, and now you're, you're getting all these emails. We had one uh, We had one client, I think it was Profitero does this thing called Commerce Live. I, I think during one of the Commerce Live sessions, we had, we had someone say, you know, I, I used to be begging for an invite to, to get into any of these meetings. And now my calendar is totally full. They need me in all these meetings. I'm like, I think you're not the only e-commerce person going through that. So it, it is true, right? When you get to this, um, this stage where it's suddenly a meaningful percentage and people can no longer dismiss you and say, e-commerce, that's 2% of my business. Get out of here. I have bigger fish to fry, right? That's, that's not really happening very often anymore. 
I will just say, though, we intentionally did not include penetration rates or share of sales in the report. And that is because there are times we actually spoke to, since spoken to some clients in verticals that, you know, 30% of sales are going through e-commerce and they peg themselves as low maturity because sometimes the categories move and you can be a low share player in e-commerce and still have 30% of your sales going because you're just, you're set up on the right websites and you're set up through retailers that are naturally funneling a lot of demand through e-commerce. So I will just say, you know, if you're reading the report, you say, oh, 15% of my sales are going through e-commerce. I'm certainly mature. I would encourage you to do a little benchmarking to your competition and, and, and validate that. So back to the question, when you get to this point though, where you say, I, I am mature, I've checked off uh, a lot of things on the list in terms of my digital capabilities. And now I've reached a point where, gosh, it's pretty close to like being part of the, the other channels, if you will, right? When people think about mass and grocery and convenience, e-commerce is on the list. So then you don't want to be the separate team. You don't want to be the e-commerce team. E-commerce needs to be folded back into the rest of the business unit. So we call that empower, right? You want to empower those teams so that they're not just saying, Okay, yeah, let's talk about mass and convenience and grocery, but you know, go call those people for e-commerce. No, no, no. Everyone owns it, right? We think about things comprehensively and it's folded back in. The key thing here, because there's there's one stage after, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, is you want to maintain some sort of COE. Now that can look different depending on your organization, right? Different organizations are good at different things and want certain things that are scaled. So you may have like uh a Product content, you may choose to put in a COE because that you want to do kind of at a scaled level across all business units um, or your HR teams or whatever, right? But you want to have a COE that's keeping an eye on the horizon because when you fold things back in, there's inherent risk, right? You don't have brain space that's dedicated just to e-commerce. And with the change, the pace of change that we continue to see in the space, you want to maintain a core brain trust that is still only thinking about e-commerce and then funneling those learnings back into the business units. Make sense? Very true indeed, because, you know, as scale comes, you're going to need that COE more than ever. But let's jump to the final stage of the process. You know, you identified is integration of e-commerce into the DNA of the org. We kind of touched upon that right now in the previous question that Peter asked you with the growth, uh, with growth rates. Um, so when should this happen and how should it actually play out or manifest? I think what's key here, and I... I'm forgetting if we, I think we note it in the report, but you want to take a look at your organization at least every six months. And that's frequent, even in some enterprise CPG organizations that do tend to go through some reorganizations every couple of years. Six months is, is a lot. And we're not saying do wholesale refreshes, but take a look, note, note the change that's happened and then retool accordingly. I think the key thing is empower and integrate the actual structure between those two. They could be quite similar. What's going to be flexing is the balance between leveraging a COE versus leveraging integrated talent, meaning we've seen some models, right, where you'll have an ABM in each brand team that is responsible for e-commerce, and then they link back to someone in a COE. And that person, the COE, they are the e-com expert, but you expect to have a voice of e-commerce in it. So you try that for six months. And then you, you say, hey, guys, is this working? Which, you know, have we dropped any balls? Is there coverage that we weren't thinking through? Are we represented in innovation councils, right? And you, you run through that list of questions and then retool as you see fit. So again, I think, Shri, to your point, 
it's critical to have the COE. It's critical to scale what you can, but then be cognizant of kind of the, the value of making sure the business units are learning and, and not keeping that knowledge only centered in the COE. I want to remind our audience that all of our content, everything related to the podcast, our profitability series document, link to us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. You can usually just search by entering CPG Guys. But uh, if you go to cpgguys.com, it's real simple. There are just a whole series of links there. We've been speaking today with Christina Vale, the Director of Client Strategy at Profitero. She was referring to her report that Profitero just released released on building a high-performance e-commerce organization. We'll have a link to access that report in the digital liner notes, along with a link to Profitero's Prime site and also Christina's LinkedIn profile. Christina, thank you so much for joining us today. This was just wonderful from our perspective. It's what Sheree and I talk about on a constant basis. So bringing process behind this transformative situation we're all kind of facing uh, in the wake of the pandemic and the 10 years of growth we accelerated in 12 months. It's very valuable. Really appreciate you coming on and talking with us today. No, I appreciate you guys having me. This is a fun conversation. And by the way, I, I love the work you're doing. The, the podcast has helped educate me and, and keeps me on my toes. So I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us, right. Christina. Shree, wasn't this awesome? I mean, yeah. I loved it. I, I, I think you did too. We've covered the kind of end-to-end spectrum, Peter, of how e-commerce is operating within an organization, where it goes next, how it's, I can be a part of like growth today, and I don't want to say future growth because it is right now, and then organizationally, organizationally, where to focus on, where to evolve it, how you get the education. And for most e-commerce folks, the message I want to put up, Peter, is, you know, the last 12 months have been your moment. And, and if you haven't integrated into the larger organization, you've kind of missed the opportunity in the bus, right? But it's never too late. There's a lot of post-COVID, as we get to the latter half of COVID, there's a lot of e-commerce momentum even today. Very high growth rates. By now, you should be figuring out how you're part of the larger organization and no more allowance for complaints, hey, this doesn't work, I can't do this, I'm not getting the budgets, because everything Christina said, the report itself highlights too, you should be a part of that. Yeah, it is a really, uh, let me say to the audience, it is a phenomenal report. Please go to the liner notes and click the link in and access this report. You will find it very helpful. If you're looking to help bring leadership along, it has got some great executive summaries, some tremendous visuals. I highly, highly recommend that you access the report. So with that, I want to thank our audience for joining us on this exciting episode, and we look forward to you having uh, join us on the next episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Thanks and goodbye. Content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. 
Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.